Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I'm so glad he got up. Aren't you glad he got up? Because he got up, you can get up. Every situation you find yourself in, every kind of thing that seems to push you down, just know this, because he got up, you can too. And not only can, but you will, because God's on your side, and he gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something we earn, it's something Jesus earned for us. He earned it for us, and he gives victory as a gift. So, man, this is a day that we celebrate every day of our lives as Christians. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead, Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise, then we're all lost in our sin and our faith is pointless. But indeed, he did rise. So uh, our faith is authentic and it's real and it's the substance of those things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I was telling our 930 service, uh, Easter is just Super Bowl for us. I mean, this is like, we celebrate this every day. We're living in this resurrection experience through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so if, if you would, would you take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to share some things with you this morning. I think that will encourage you, but I want to take a moment to just recognize today uh, pastors Brian and Jonna, and then we have several from our Irving campus here with us today at One Cause Church, sitting back here. We love you guys very much. Last Sunday was our last Sunday in Irving. And so from now on, Brian and Jonna and hopefully everybody else that's here with them will be with us from now on. Amen. So uh, we're very excited about that. And we'll be talking about more about that and, and uh, all the news that that brings in the coming weeks. So we're very excited about the what God is doing in the life of One Cause Church. And if you have kids, I don't know if you were able to take your kids back toward Kids Church. How many of you took your kids back there and saw the, a lot of the new work that was done? And uh, we're very excited about that. And our, I've, just, I've never seen my staff more energized than they are right now. I'm telling you, these guys are pouring their lives into this church because they love you, they love the church, and uh, we, we want to be a great light in this community and reach as many people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can. And so you being here today, some of you are here regularly. Some of you, this is your first time. Some of you kind of come in Easter, Mother's Day, and Christmas, and maybe once in a while some other ones, but we are so glad to have you. God bless you. And once you turn to somebody and tell them, I'm glad you came today. All right? Amen. And I turn to somebody else and tell them how great they look. I mean, they got dressed up for Easter today. Amen. All right, how many single people are in here today? And I'm proud of it. Okay, maybe you're not proud of it. How many of you are single here today? All right. Okay, look around you. We might have some matchmaking going on right now. Just look around. Maybe we can, uh... all right. Can I hear my single people? I'm I'm here to equip you. Everybody else will just get to listen in for a couple of minutes before we jump into the verse of scripture. But uh, I want to equip you and maybe empower you in your dating life. It's bad when I'm giving you advice. Because the way I started dating Heather is I first kissed her on the mouth and then asked her out. So don't recommend that always, but it worked out for me. All right, are you ready? Here's, here's some Christian pickup lines for you. 
Now I know why Solomon had 700 wives, because he never met you. How many times do I have to walk around you to make you fall for me? Joshua, Jericho, okay, anyway. How would you like to join my purpose-driven life? I believe one of my ribs belongs to you. <laughs> so last night I was reading the book of Numbers, and then I realized I don't have yours. Hey, I'm Will, God's will. <laughs> is it hot in here or is that just the Holy Ghost burning inside of you? Is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. Right there, there she is. And she's single. I didn't believe in predestination until now. Is it a sin that you stole my heart? <laughs> I'm usually not very prophetic, but I can see us together. I'm interested in full-time ministry. And not only that, I also play guitar. <laughs> this, is, this one, I'll just read it. I mentioned you in my testimony. Are you looking for a knight in shining armor? Because I just happen to be wearing the armor of God. I went on a mission trip, and all I ended up doing was mission you. <laughs> if you're looking for a man with good credit, Jesus paid my debt. And to put an end to the torture... You put the figure in transfiguration. Okay. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 10. I know somebody's like, man, we should have gone to that other church today. <laughs> Any other. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Everybody say living hope. <laughs> Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this glorious day where we intentionally set our focus, our affection, our sights, our speech, everything about what we do here on that empty tomb. The day our Savior, who died for our sins, was buried, but on the third day, he rose again. And by your resurrection, Lord, you have ensured resurrection for us. Not only in the last day, not only when our bodies come up out of those graves, and we thank you for that final victory when you will lay death itself in its own grave. But Lord, that you have a resurrection power for us to tap into right now in our everyday lives. As your word says that the spirit, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and makes alive, quickens our mortal bodies. You help us even in, the, in our mortality, Lord. Thank you. Lord, I, I don't know... What kind of situations came in here, Lord, with all of these people? But you know. And Father, I, I, I pray that they'd be encouraged in hope today. That they would become prisoners of hope. To lock themselves into hope and to throw away the key and never come out.
because, Lord, you are our living hope. As long as our hope is alive and you'll be alive for a long time, Lord, then we can always have an expectation of good, a confident expectation that the God who loves us will never abandon us. The God who loves us will never forget us. The God who loves us will not leave us where we are. But Lord, you're continuing to take us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, because life with you gets better and better and better. And I pray now, God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon all these hearers today, all of these who are with us in this room, all those who are with us by our live stream as well, and all those who subscribe to our podcast. Grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Um, Before uh, we finish out today, we're going to have a moment to receive communion together. And I want to invite all of you uh, to be a part of that. Now, there's only one requirement. And it's not that you have to be a member of One Cause Church. Good. But I mean, that's, I recommend being a member of One Cause Church. But you don't have to do that to receive communion because the Lord has invited all of us as his children to come. Now, this is a family meal, right? This is a meal that is specifically designed for those who believe on him, those who are in the family of God. And if today you find yourself on the outside, you're on the outside kind of of the Christian experience, on the outside when it comes to a relationship with God, to having a personal relationship with Jesus, today you're going to have an opportunity to get on the inside. Today, this message that was pronounced 2,000 years ago is still changing lives. It is still making old things new. It's still making dead things live. It is still bringing a continual hope, a living hope. So um, I want us to go to Luke chapter 18 for a minute. And uh, I just want to give a a few things to you for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together, all right? And I want to say hello to my son-in-law, Jonathan, who married my daughter, Madeline, and we're really happy. And our grandson, Boston, who's cooking right now. And our other daughter, Laura Elise, and our granddaughter, we know her middle name, Rose, we don't know the first name yet, who's also cooking. And they'll be here with us in September. And where's my son? Is he here? Oh, I see. I see. I'd be sitting where you are too if that girl was in the room. Yeah, all right. Luke 18, 31. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, and watch this, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. All right? All things that are written by the prophets are about to be accomplished. Now watch this. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him and the third day he will rise again. There's nothing allegorical about this language here, is there? Jesus isn't speaking in a parable. He is stating the facts. All right? We're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles, and these are things that are going to happen. They're going to mock me. They're going to insult me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise again from the dead. That, can, aren't those words that can easily be understood by all of us today? 
right? There's no riddle here. I mean, there are times when the disciples just, uh, they just couldn't get it. And I like reading their stories because I feel comfort about myself sometimes not being able to get certain stuff. And even Jesus, you see his frustration with them at times. I'm, he is Lord of all and he knows all things. And, uh, but he's, he's like, come on, guys. I mean, like one, one, for, for instance, one of, one of the things that happened is that they were, they were on this boat together and they're going across the lake and they had a, a piece of bread amongst them, one biscuit. And the reason they even looked for it in the first place is because Jesus is teaching them along the way as they're going across the water. He says, beware of the, le beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples are like, oh boy, what does that mean? So they huddle up. They're like, okay, guys, we got to, Jesus has thrown out a seriously good riddle here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What can that mean? Beware of the leaven, leaven, bread, bread. Oh, he's hungry. That's what he's saying. He's hungry. Uh, what do we got here? Thomas pulls out of his robe pocket. I've got a biscuit. Oh, he's going to kill us because nobody thought to bring bread. Now Jesus is going to be ticked off, and Jesus is watching this happen. And he says, why are you talking about bread? What are you doing? How long do I have to be here before you get this? He's, and, and finally they're like, oh, and when he explained it to them. Oh, he's talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees. Oh, not actual bread. Okay. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I am here as a perfect reflection of him. Thomas says, hey, uh, I got an idea. Why don't you show us the Father, and that'll be sufficient for us. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many times do I have to say this? There's a lot of misunderstanding, but here is what's interesting. Look at verse 34 of this chapter. Jesus lays it out clearly. He says, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. And I think there's a good reason for this. I mean, all those things that Jesus said about being mocked, insulted, spit upon, scourged, killed, all those you can find in the book of Psalms and Isaiah. All those descriptions, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53 mainly, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, where uh, it specifically says that he would be spit upon, be delivered to the Gentiles, Psalm chapter 2, uh, they would be killed, Isaiah 53, resurrected, Psalm chapter 16, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption, you will not leave my soul abandoned in Hades or in the grave. But think about this. We all understood what Jesus said. Am I right? All those things that he said would happen to him, but the disciples didn't understand. It says they understood none of those things. Why can't they understand this? They're intelligent men, I think. Why can't they get that? It's plain English or Aramaic, whatever it is that they were listening to there. Hebrew, maybe. Why didn't they understand? Well, how many of your parents here? And you've told your children, learn from my mistakes. Right? But what do they do? They want to learn from their mistakes, not from yours. And so you question like, why, why can't they learn from what I'm telling them? And uh, I remember my parents must have felt like that with me, and I felt like that with my kids, and they're about to feel that way too. So I'm very excited about that. Like, 
what goes around comes around. But Jesus tells these guys what's going to happen, and it just didn't sink in. And maybe part of the reason that is they just weren't really ready to learn this, they didn't want to hear these things. As a matter of fact, Peter rebukes Jesus at one point. He says, hey, I don't, no, 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 you're not going to the cross. And then Jesus turns around and rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know the things of God. And say, I mean, Peter didn't even realize that he, what he was saying. But Jesus made sure he understood anything that's against me going to that cross is of the devil because if I don't get there, then he doesn't get defeated. His works don't get unraveled and your sin is still prevalent in your life. You are still dead in your sins. So he knew he was on a mission to get there. And so it was hard for them. They didn't want to know this or they just didn't understand it. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse seven, watch this. It says, uh, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse eight, which none of the rulers of this age knew for had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The rulers of that age were guys like Pontius Pilate. Caiaphas, the high priest, the Sanhedrin, the, the, uh, all the religious leaders of that time, even the Roman soldiers, if they had known what they were doing, if they would known who Jesus was, they wouldn't have done what they did. But they didn't know. They didn't understand. The disciples didn't understand what he's talking about here. But my question today is, do we really understand the whole reality of this resurrection? What does it mean for our lives? How does it affect our daily lives? How do we apply that resurrection into our lives? And can we? And can we understand it? Well, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This message of Christ dying for our sins and being buried and rising from the dead three days later, to some, it's pure gibberish. It's total foolishness. It's fables. It's fiction. But to those who believe... It's the power of God. Now, how is that? that I mean, that is such a, such a diametric difference, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. And we have to know what this means. If Christ didn't rise, then all of us are hopeless anyway. But indeed, he is risen. And Jesus told his disciples after he rose from the dead, he said, now I want you to go and wait and I'm going to send the spirit here. And when he comes, he's going to really open your eyes. He's going to help you understand all these things that I said. And when you're walking around going, I don't understand. I don't know why he picked me to be a disciple. All of these things are going to, it's going to make sense. So after Jesus ascended into heaven, um, a few days later, about 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came. And Acts chapter 4 talks about this experience when the Holy Spirit came. It says that they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then something amazing happened is that people were confused about what was going on. They're hearing them speak this funny language and, and a lot, many of them are hearing it in their own language. God performs this language miracle for all those from all these different nations to understand and they heard them glorifying God and declaring the mighty works of God some are going these guys are drunk uh these guys are fools and just all this commotion going on then Peter stands up and by utterance of the spirit says and Peter being filled with the spirit said listen to me this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. How did Peter know how to articulate this phenomenon going on? How did he know to put it into word, how to do it? Because the spirit came. And when the spirit came, his eyes were opened. Yeah. 
At one time, Peter could not have made that connection whatsoever. But when the Spirit came, revelation came. And I want to say this to you today, something about this gospel, that believing that simple message of Christ died for your sins, and he was buried, and he arose again the third day, something about you believing that and accepting that, not just the sins of the world, but he died for my sins. He died for your sins. And when you invite him personally into your own life, something happens, a new knowledge comes, a new understanding comes that will ultimately take your life in a whole new direction. Because this revelation or this understanding follows faith. You can't reason through your own human reasoning factors. You can't reason yourself into faith. You can't reason yourself into comprehending this gospel because this is a spiritual matter. And the scripture says that the spirit and the mind, they are contrasting one another, the spirit and the flesh even. But the mind doesn't understand the things of the spirit. It doesn't get it. It doesn't comprehend it. So there has to be this other way to connect then to these spiritual truths, not through here, but through faith. And faith is of the heart. And it's not even so much about understanding it even as much as receiving it. Because in that gospel, there's understanding. In that gospel, there's revelation. You, you might be familiar with the scripture, Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That's all of us. We all get included in that deal. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then verse 17 of Romans 1 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. See, revelation goes from faith to faith. It's like... Uh, yeah, I, first, let me understand it, and then I'll believe it. But that's not how the gospel works. You believe it, and then you understand it. Right. Everything about this kingdom seems backwards to our whole system. But to just accept him, take him at his word, and this stuff begins to make sense that wouldn't have made sense before. How many of you believe that a virgin had a baby? Okay. You want to try to reason that thing out? No, you've got to just believe that. Right? you got to believe that. Here in a moment, we're going to take communion. If you don't have revelation because you believe, this is going to be really odd to hear that we're drinking his blood and eating his flesh. you got to have revelation for that. You have to, oh, because of my faith. Now I understand. See, it takes me to a deeper level. It's a, I get the spiritual understanding of it. Right. Speaking in tongues is another one. Yeah. I've been speaking in tongues since I was a baby, feel like. I don't know. I don't even remember the first time I did it. To this day, my mind is still going. This makes no sense whatsoever. You think one day you, hear, you say it so much, you pray in the Spirit so much that one day you'll just start comprehending it. No, no. Still a mystery to this mind. But it's an experience that God has for me. It's an experience that God has for all of us. So these things are not, compre they, they're not you don't come to the realization through your own reasoning. It comes by believing him. Amen. And you need the Holy Spirit of God in order to have understanding, revelation of the things. Um, my my brother-in-law, uh, on the 17th of this month, four years ago, he passed away, Heather's little brother. And uh, he was young. He was, had a promising future. He was an anesthesiologist, gone through God knows decades of me medical school, seemed like. Seemed like he was in there forever. And... Uh, but when he, was, when he graduated high school, 
and got into college, he and I would have these debates and arguments over basically intelligent design versus evolution. A lot. And Judd was extremely intelligent. And if I didn't know what I knew by faith in God and through studying the scriptures, I would not have been any match for this guy. But I, I had armed myself in the word through the years and, and, and through faith in him, he gave me, you know, revelation through the word and had God knowledge. So I could, you know, we could talk about these things. And um, Heather and I moved away and down to San Marcos, Texas. And Judd is about to now take the next step after he graduated Angelo State. Then he was going to, now he has to take the MCAT. Are you familiar with the MCAT? To go to the medical school of his choice. And so he's, he wanted to get a 31 a score of 31, he said, if I get a 31, then I can, I can be in charge of what school I want to go to. And uh, now I didn't know that until he made a phone call. He called Heather and I and told us that he had gone to take his MCAT. And as he's sitting there pondering one of the questions, he puts his hand in his pocket. He just throw, had thrown on some sweatpants that were laying in his closet that morning. And he reaches in his pocket, he feels something, he pulls out $31 cash. And so he's like, hmm. So he calls me and says, and Sets it up like that. He says, I, I wanted to get a 31. That's been my, my goal to get 31. He said, and then I put my hand in my pocket and there was $31. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And he said, is that like a sign or something? <laughs> You're asking that question, Mr. Know-it-all. He said, well, to, to go further, he said, I actually said a prayer. I'm like, who were you praying to? He said, I did. I, I prayed. If this is some kind of sign from you, if I get a 31, I'll put this in an offering plate in a church. And I said, you said that? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, get ready to go to church. He's like, oh, whatever. I said, I'm serious. I said, the Lord's trying to get your attention. He loves you, Judd. Oh, we'll see. He said, the, the test was really difficult. I'm not even sure if I got a good grade at all. Two weeks later, he calls me and says, you're not going to believe this. I said, I bet I will. He said, I got a 31. I said, you did. Oh, no. He did his part. Now you got to do your part. He said, I will. And he did. And he went to a church and put that $31 in an offering. But see, something greater was happening. Something greater was happening because he was so here in his Everything was about reasoning. Everything was about, and, and that's good on one level, my family, but not when it comes to spiritual things. You got to have the greater experience by faith. And, and so uh, all this analytical um, thinking and, and reasoning, calculating. Would not do for him what that did for him. When he put that money in the offering plate at that church, something happened, a door cracked open to his heart that stayed open. And even for several months and years afterward, he would start trying to go back into this, you know, well, if there's a God, blah, blah, blah. And I would just go, 31, 31. And he'd say, yeah, I don't know, 31, 31. And then 10 years later, 10, 12 years later, we stood in awe in a church service when our church was downtown McKinney to watch my brother-in-law stand up and walk forward and give his heart to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise 
It's the living hope we have, though we miss him tremendously, yet we know we have a living hope to see him again. And you have loved ones that you've lost. People that are dear to you. And some days, it's the, the, the pain and the heaviness of that grief is more than you can bear. But that's why you have a living hope. God offers you a living hope to tell you, we don't weep like those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we know that he will bring us and those who sleep in him together and we'll all meet him in the air and thus we'll ever be with the Lord. For eons and eons will be together. And what this loss will just seem just like a blip on the radar compared to the glory of eternity together. So I'm here to remind you today, you have a living hope. You have a living hope. You have a risen Savior. And because Jesus is alive, there's always hope. There's always hope. Let's take a moment to, can we just bow our heads and pray together? As I said earlier, maybe you're kind of on the outside of this whole thing of Christianity and a, a relationship with God. Maybe your experience has just been kind of religious, you know? Religious as in, you know, kind of going through the motions, but no real connection, no real depth of a relationship. It's just something you're supposed to do because it's the right thing. You're supposed to go to church on Easter. You're <laughs> supposed to kiss your mama. You're supposed, you know, all those things. But this, God does not invite you into a religion. He invites you into a relationship. All right, this is not just one more religion that's out there in the world. This, this, this Christian experience is completely opposite of all other religions. It stands out from all of them because it is not based on your merits. It's not based on your performance. Hopefully the good outweighing the bad. Oh God, thank God it's not based on that. It's not based on something that you build in this life. No, no, no. God made a way. So you don't have to try to make a way. He made a way to you. And he says, if you'll take this way, Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Everybody's going to go. Every one of us are going to give an account of ourselves to God. Every person on planet Earth, whoever was, who is, or who will be, are going to have a personal meeting with God and give an account of their lives. You're in that number. You're going to stand before him. All, all are going to the judge, but except for those who take the road that Jesus offers. Because Jesus said, no one comes to the, not the judge, no one comes to the Father, but by me. Many people are going to the judge, but Jesus says, why don't you come to the Father? Why don't you come to the Father? I was judged, so you don't have to be judged. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your sins. And, and now by his wounds and by his stripes, you were healed. And by his blood, you've been made free. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding your sins against you. It's only found in Jesus. And he offers you today a relationship. He offers salvation for you today. He offers freedom. He offers resurrection. Because outside of him, we're dead in our sins. But the scripture says, even while we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with him.
by grace you have been saved. God has done everything he can for you to give you heaven, to give you a new life. But he will not force it on you because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to decide. He wants you to choose. Will you let him come into your life today? Will you let him sit on the throne of your heart and be your Lord and be your King and be your Savior? If that's you and you say, Pastor Eric, please pray for me. I want to be saved today. I want that new start. I want the living hope. I want a relationship with God. Would you just lift up your hand where you are? I'll pray for you right where you're sitting. So that's me. Please pray for me. I want to be saved. How about maybe you're away from God today? I'm glad you're here today because God loves you. God's not just the God of another chance. He's the God of many chances. He's the God of many new beginnings. And this is your new beginning today. Today you just say, Pastor Eric, I'm, I'm already a Christian, but I just need to come back to my Father. I've been living my own way. been doing it my own way. And it's been painful. And it's been difficult. But today I want to take a step and say, I'm coming home to my Father. Is that you? Slip up your hand today. I want to pray for you. Are you here today? I want to ask one more thing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anybody else here? I don't want to miss your hand. Father, I pray for these who have raised their hand here today. You've seen your children here who said, Father, I'm coming back home. I thank you for receiving them. Thank you for grace to be administered to them. The peace of God that passes all understanding. To from this day forward, guard their hearts and minds. And may they be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Jesus' name. One more thing before we receive communion. You're here today and you need healing in your body. Who is that today? You need healing in your body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. I wanted to see your hands for a moment because we're going to receive communion together. And this is going to be your point of contact right here. When you receive his body, I believe you're going to be healed. Amen. Recovery will begin. It might be instantaneous. It might take some time, but you're going to recover. In Jesus' name. If our ushers would come now and uh, bring the elements of communion. And once you receive the bread and the juice, if you'll just hold it there for a second, then we'll all receive it together, okay?
chapter 11 says, For I received of the Lord Jesus that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. What an amazing statement that is. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread. On the same night we were, as it were, turning our back on him, Jesus was making covenant with us. Scripture says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Today, if you're here and you were one of those who raised your hand for healing, this is the moment to say, Jesus, thank you for that exchange. There was an exchange made. He was wounded so you could be healed. This is my body which is broken for you. What does that mean? So that your body doesn't have to be broken. Amen. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So in this moment, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. And Lord, when your body was broken, the moment that first, that first stripe was laid on your back, a fountain of healing was opened up. And I think that that healing is still in full force today. For these here who are saying, Lord, I need your healing. And I thank you now that they are receiving healing in their bodies. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's receive the body. And the scripture then says, and he took the cup after they had supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood the new covenant in my blood. See, an old covenant was here, but it couldn't do what, where it, lots of animals shed their blood, bulls and goats, for the people's sins, but it could not purify the people. It could not take the sins away. It could only cover, just cover, just cover. But Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant. This new covenant is a covenant where the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. That's why God doesn't hold your sins against you because Jesus took them all away. Hallelujah. And the scripture says we've been brought near by his blood. Brought near. We've received the forgiveness of sins. We've received redemption to the fullest. So as we do, as our tradition is at One Cause Church, we raise our glass and we toast the captain of our salvation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who bled and died for our sins, who was buried and who rose again the third day, who ascended up into heaven and who is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, who is our high priest, who is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities, who is in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And therefore by him who made a new and living way, we can now come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We salute you, Jesus, today in Jesus' name, our risen King. Amen and amen.
Amen. If you'll take your cups from that side, pass them toward this aisle, and from here, pass them toward that aisle, our ushers will come by with a receptacle to pick that up from you. Thank you so much. Amen. What a glorious day it is. What a glorious day. God is on your side. God is good. And the devil can go straight to hell. But not you. <laughs> not you. He's prepared a better place for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.